This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, 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 the good guys have won one at last. We're going to talk about it. It is Thursday, July, 20, July 6, 2023, and it's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon, taking your calls at 888-788-9910. We had a big one. Another big show today, former Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich is going to join us later this hour. Then in hour two, we'll have Dr. Michael Burgess. He's the congressman from North Texas, not far from where I am right now, representing Texas's 26th Congressional District. Then in hour three, we have New York Post columnist Miranda Devine, who in 2020 was at the epicenter of the story we're going to lead off with today. So I am in the current events business. I do talk shows like this. I own successful news and talk radio station and Fox Across America affiliate KTBB in Tyler Longview, Texas. Hey, I stay current. I know what's going on, or at least I thought I did. But I was caught completely flat-footed and unaware yesterday morning when news of a court ruling in the federal district court for the Western District of Louisiana dropped. The judge, his name is Terry Doty, he's a Trump appointee, issued a 155-page injunction on the 4th of July in the case of Missouri v. Biden. The case was brought by the attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri and is being argued in federal district court in Louisiana. The issue is... The, the Biden administration's skirting of the free speech clause of the First Amendment to the Constitution. They're doing that by pressuring social media companies like Twitter and Facebook to take down and suppress posts with which the administration disagrees. Now, this is a really, really big deal. This, this injunction, which stops the administration from doing what they're doing while the case is being decided, it's a brushback pitch up and in on the administration, as well as future administrations. Senator Eric Schmidt, who was the attorney general in Missouri at the time this lawsuit was filed, he's one of its authors, was on Hannity last night, and he said this, cut five. It's a massive win for free speech and a devastating loss for censorship. And when I was attorney general, as you mentioned, we filed this lawsuit about a year ago. And what's been uncovered ever since, Jason, has been a vast censorship enterprise. I mean, this was... Uh, big government colluding and coercing big tech and these social media giants to censor speech. And of course, the government can't do it, but they can't outsource that either, and they can't force and coerce these companies to do the same. And what's been uncovered in 20-plus thousand documents, um, emails, direct messages from senior officials in the administration with high-ranking executives of these social media giants is shocking. Uh, yes, it is. In a, and under the First Amendment, the government cannot suppress your speech. But because Facebook and Twitter command such a huge proportion of the national discussion forum, the administration and, has, and, and agencies within the administration have done the next best thing to telling you what you can or cannot say. They've done it through Facebook and Twitter. They've said to Facebook and Twitter, go, sus go suppress speech for us, the government. 
and Facebook and Twitter being led by reliable leftists at the time before Elon Musk bought Twitter, the, they instituted, they did what they were asked to do. They complied. But Facebook is still led by the execrable Mark Zuckerberg. He, no reform, no Elon Musk buyout reform of Facebook. And he just launched this week a new app called Threads. It's intended to be a Twitter killer. It signed up 10 million uh, users in its first minutes of existence. It's uh, supposedly almost identical uh, on the interface to Twitter. So social media, once hailed as a forum where we're going to have unlimited exchange of ideas, a free marketplace for discourse, was transformed during the pandemic particularly into a de facto federal ministry of truth. There can be no such thing as a government ministry of truth in a, in a free democratic republic. There is no one person or institution into which we may assign the ultimate authority to determine what is true and what isn't. Since humans have been able to talk, there has been debate as to what constitutes truth. It tastes great. Did you hear that? It's less filling. Pretty strong words. It tastes great. Less filling. Tastes great. Less filling. Tastes great. This is what we do. We argue. We debate. We, this, this is how the truth emerges. We, we argue with each other, and, the, and we argue our corner, and that's how we keep a free republic free. The pandemic unleashed the very worst totalitarian instincts of the liberal ruling class, the fear of what was being characterized as an all-new, never-before-seen virus, which turned out not to be so true. Coronaviruses have been around for a long time. Um, but the fear of that virus set the stage for government at every level, from the federal government all the way down to your local, your local government, to assume control over your free exercise of your free civil liberties in ways that were prior to the pandemic simply unimaginable in America. Small businesses were ordered to close. Your local church, where you go to church, you're told you couldn't attend services. Local officials acting without any action from an elected legislative body, which is to say you didn't get a vote, decided which businesses were essential and which were not. Non-essential businesses were ordered to close. Many of them failed. Kids were kept out of school. Livelihoods were lost. Visits to the doctor were prohibited in all but emergency cases. That means that health screenings intended to save lives did not happen. Clinical depression began to rise. So did suicides, drug abuse, domestic abuse. It was all awful. Freedom of movement and basic liberties were curtailed in ways that no one thought possible. The government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic exceeded by anything we had ever seen. The response of government to prior pandemics, even the influenza pandemic, the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. What happened in America and around the world, but what happened in America particularly, had never happened before. And some voices of reason spoke out about the government's response. Dr. Scott Atlas at Stanford University, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya at Harvard were two of them. They argued that the lockdowns went too far. They presented credible evidence and data to support their positions. They led a group of like-minded doctors and scientists to issue what would come to be called the Great Barrington Declaration, which called for ending lockdowns and instead concentrating pandemic efforts on those who were known by then 
to be at the greatest risk for hospitalization, severe illness, or death. And rather than engage in debate about that in an attempt to ferret out the truth and, and arrive at the best policy, instead of debating them, they were silenced. And that is not the hallmark of a free society. It's the hallmark of a totalitarian state. Government officials were in daily contact with Facebook and Twitter and were actively was policing what was being posted about the pandemic on those platforms. And anything that disagreed with the, with the establishment's line, the, the, the health establishment inside them, the Trump administration, which was tyrannical, anything that disagreed was characterized as misinformation. It wasn't another point of view. It wasn't something else to consider. It was simply called misinformation, labeled as dangerous and taken down. Government was doing by proxy what it cannot under the Constitution do directly. It was suppressing free speech. With, and with the success of that, with the success during the pandemic of suppressing the speech of people who wanted to, to dissent against official government policy on COVID, with that in hand, the mechanisms were in place for getting social media to do the government's bidding when the election rolled around. And Hunter Biden's laptop became a story that had a potential to, to had the potential to affect that outcome. It was no trouble by then for the FBI to lean on Twitter to suspend the account of the New York Post, America's oldest newspaper and the outlet that broke the story. We're going to talk about that later in the show with Miranda Devine. But here's what Kaylee McEnany, Trump's White House secretary at the time, had to say on Fox and Friends yesterday about that. It's cut seven. The judge wrote this, the Hunter Biden laptop story was censored uh, on these platforms. And but basically what they did was Twitter blocked users from sharing links to the New York Post story and prevented users who had previously sent tweets sharing the Hunter Biden story from sending new tweets until they deleted the previous tweet. Fact check. True. I was White House press secretary at the time. I shared the article. I was blocked from Twitter um, and my account was put back up only after I deleted the tweet. See, I mean, how, she's the White House press secretary, and her account was deleted. Unbelievable. Polls taken since, by the way, have revealed that had that story not been suppressed by the FBI with the cooperation of Twitter, the outcome of the 2020 election would most likely have been entirely different. The Hunter Biden laptop story, if it had been allowed to proliferate and make its way through the electorate, it likely would have changed how the election came out. Two attorneys general, God bless them, Louisiana, Missouri, had the fortitude to file suit on this issue. And while that suit is pending, the court has enjoyed, enjoined the Biden administration from continuing its practice of working directly with social media to silence your free speech. I hate reading aloud from documents, but I have to. Here's a couple of passages from Judge Terry Doty's 155-page injunction ruling. He says, quote, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. In their attempts to suppress alleged disinformation, the federal government, and particularly the defendants named here, and that's a long list of Biden administration officials, are alleged to have blatantly ignored the First Amendment's right to free speech. The plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing that the government has used its power to silence the opposition. Opposition to COVID-19, masking and lockdowns, opposition to the lab leak theory of COVID-19, opposition to the validity of the 2020 election, 
opposition to President Biden's policies. Statements that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true. And opposition to policies of the government officials in power. All were suppressed. It is quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example of viewpoint discrimination in political speech. American citizens have the right to engage in free debate about the significant issues affecting the country. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the best, a period that best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to the Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Well, as I say, God bless the good guys win one. It's a big one. There's reason to celebrate, reason to be optimistic that the good guys will go on to win this lawsuit. What do you think? 888-788-9910. I particularly want to know if during all of this, going all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic through the 2020 election up to now, have your social media posts been censored, suppressed, taken down, um, throttled, have has 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 there been an attempt to silence what you had to say on these important topics? Have you experienced what Kaylee McEnany experienced and what Miranda Devine at the Washington, at the New York Post experienced? What's your experience with being suppressed by social media? Has this affected you? 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. The show gets cracking with you next. Stay with us. He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. So big news yesterday, the uh, the court, the federal district court in Louisiana clipped the Biden administration's wings with respect to colluding with um, social media companies to suppress your free speech. Your thoughts on that, and have you had that happen? 888-788-9910. We lead off with Gus in Tyler. Gus, you're the leadoff hitter. What do you have to say? Well, uh, somehow or another, they've created an implausible uh, deniability. There's people who really don't believe this, but we all know that it, it's happened. It's been proven. It's been released. And they're not just violating our freedom of speech, but they're preventing us from hearing what we choose to listen to, and they're not allowing us to hear everything. They're they're picking and choosing. And to me, all of this is just, uh, I mean, that keeps us from having freedom of thought and freedom of thinking and belief and so forth. I mean, it's not just unconstitutional, Paul. It's it's ungodly. Well, let me tell you what. If you believe something, you know, if if you're the Biden administration or if you're the the Trump administration or the Obama, if you're whoever you are, if you're in a if you're a, a an individual, an ordinary citizen, if you believe something, argue your case, make your case, and if if somebody disagrees with you, let them make their case. You, that's how it's supposed to work. It's, it's robust, vigorous debate. 
That's what make a, makes a constitutional republic. Instead, what the administration wanted to do, and I, and this was going on during the Trump administration, the permanent federal bureaucracy was doing what it had to do in order to suppress speech uh-huh. it didn't want to hear, is it, yes, rather, than, rather than debate, just just silence the other side. And that's not how it's supposed to work. You know, the, 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 it was worth debating the lockdowns. That should have been debated vigorously before you, you run around, you know, depriving people of their livelihoods and making it where people can't go to church and have funerals when Nana dies and um, uh, go get a haircut and uh, go to root for routine doctor visits that aren't emergencies. That should have been debated. We should have had a long, vigorous debate before shutting down the the economy. But anybody that tried to debate it was silenced. And anybody who wanted, who tried to say, well, maybe this Hunter, Lap, Hunter Biden laptop story is real was silenced. Are you on social media, Gus? I get on uh, Facebook sometimes. I don't use any of the others. Uh, well, wait a minute. Uh, I've got a Twitter account I never use. and I've got a true social uh, account that uh, I check maybe once or twice a month. I, I, I used to be uh, active on it. But this has been going on, Paul, has a lot of reason why I've tapered off. And I, you know where I get my news now? I get it off the radio, and then I just pray that I can go home and look it up. Well, good for you. And listen, I think you're getting it off of a very good uh, radio station. It happens to be there where you are, KTBB, Tyler Longview, and I thank you for that. So the other problem that I have is, is this judge has put out this order for them to cease and desist. Okay. Yeah. One thing, I don't think they're going to cease and desist. And secondly, I don't think it matters. They've already groomed these companies to do what they're doing, and I don't think they're going to quit. Well, there, that, there's that fear. I, I think, you know, you know, I'll take Elon Musk at his word and the evidence that we've seen with respect to Twitter that they have that they have stopped the egregious activities that were going on prior to Elon Musk buying the company. I don't trust Facebook as far as I can throw a building, and Facebook has just launched what they hope will be a Twitter killer called Threads. And it is going. It is. It is intended to 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 take the place of Twitter. If you already have an Instagram account, all of your social circle via Instagram instantly transfers to Threads. Threads has had enormous uh, uptake in its first day, and uh, I'm, I have that fear, Gus, that you have that uh, even though the court has issued an injunction, which and the injunction just says. You have to stop doing this until the case can be decided. Even the court, even though the court has issued an injunction, I think, you know, certainly Zuckerberg's company will continue to suppress anything with which it disagrees. And um, I don't. I think they'll find. There's. You've got to believe they'll find some way to wire around the injunction and back channel it and and all those kinds of things. Meanwhile, they just can't do it out in the open anymore the way they were doing it. Hey, Gus, appreciate the call. More. A Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela. It's coming up after the break. Stay with us. Welcome back to Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela and inviting you to follow me in my weekly column, youtellmetexas.com. And if you happen to be in East Texas, listen to the radio stations that I own most notably of which is this Fox Across America affiliate, KTBB, Tyler Longview. In any event, want to hear from you right now, 888-788-9910. Let's head to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's Rudy up next on Fox Across America. Hello, Rudy. Hey, how you doing, Paul? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. 
Okay, great. Hey, um, yeah, this uh, the issue of free speech is something that I, I just I tell you it it just gets me because the First Amendment gives you the freedom of speech, and what the left doesn't understand it doesn't give you freedom from speech, and because they are completely out in left field, and everybody with a logical mind understands that they are idiots when it comes to the, some of their policies and their ideas. And some of the stuff that they spout, anybody with a brain realizes that it's not. So they have to suppress all of the things that somebody might go, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Of course it's not right. And, and basically what they're doing, and it, the ironic thing is, is that they're calling what, what other people are saying misinformation when they know themselves what they are saying is the misinformation. But because they're calling it out, they feel if they call it out first, you know, the first person to cry racist, the, per the first person to do whatever, they're the one that people listen to. So the, the ironic thing, as I said, is that, you know, they are doing the thing. And then they're and, – and I, I mentioned this again. It's My wife's a, a Democrat, and anytime <laughs> she sees a flaw in herself or I point out a flaw in herself before I can get there and she knows what she's doing – she will use transference and put that on me and say that I'm the one that's doing it. So, you know, the messed up thing is it's exactly what they're doing. It's like, hey, you're destroying the country. Meanwhile, they know that that's exactly what they're doing. Well, either but that or they, they are. Said it first. They said yeah, it first. Just, they're right, you know. Well, either that or they are they are so ideologically hidebound, they actually believe what they're saying. It makes no matter wrong is wrong. And I'll tell you what has been in my experience, Rudy, with in, in terms of having debates, discussions, or, or, or arguments with people. I have found that the minute I am unable to get a word in, when the, when the other side is making sure that I don't talk, when they cut me off in mid-sentence, when I can't say what I want to say, I have found every time it's because the other side was losing the debate. Oh yeah, and as a yeah. as and, a consequence yeah, of losing absolutely. the debate, they do they do what they can to to shut me down, and that's what that's exactly the the White House, the administration didn't want to engage in constructive debate about the uh, the the COVID uh, lockdowns, and I say the White House, it was the Trump White House, but it was a, a, a an infrastructure inside the Trump White House that really was working against Donald Trump. You got to read Scott Atlas's book, mm -hmm. and you'll understand mm -hmm. that. It was it was the government inside a inside a Republican administration working against the administration, and they they didn't want to debate. They didn't want to have a vigorous debate on the wisdom of lockdowns or the wisdom of masking or or and then subsequently in the Biden administration whether you should or have to uh, take a, a vaccine or do it because you thought it was in your best interest based on a discussion with your doctor. Those things should have been vigorously debated, and they weren't. And the, instead, all debate was – the attempt was made for all debate to be silenced, and that's not how you run a democratic republic. Hey, Rudy, appreciate oh, your cool. call. I'm going to get one more. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, Rudy. Well, hey, appreciate you, man. We'll try to get one more in here real quick before we have to take a break. Kevin Hampton Roads, Virginia, what do you say? Hey, good afternoon, Paul. Well, I've been censored a few times by 
Facebook, and not only that, I could shock you with a story. I don't think we're going to have time about being surveillance and my my emails being monitored. But I was one of the times I, I'm a political activist, so one of the times I was I posted uh, at Facebook after uh, the Washington Post came out and said Trump was going to lose Wisconsin by 17 points about three weeks before the 2020 election. I posted that and then made a comparison to Joseph Goebbels' statement: "Repeat a colossal lie often enough, and people will believe it." Facebook took it down, uh, said I was a danger to the community, and suspended services I don't even use for like 30 days on that one. Um, on the other uh, point regarding my emails, I send out emails to about 200 news organizations in 11 states, and one day after doing that, I come back in my room, and it says my AOL account's been flagged for suspicious service. And then it says I need to call a phone number. I call it up, and the guy who answers with a Middle Eastern accent says, uh, we want to know who you're emailing and why. And I said, none of your business. What is this communist China? And he said he was going to put me on a list and let me do it and wanted my phone number. So I'm kind of rushing the story a little bit, but uh, um, I've had things like that happen in the last several years as a as a political activist that supports Trump. Well, and the thing is, you know, you, you, you're allowed to support Trump. You're allowed to support Biden. You're allowed to support uh, your next-door neighbor's uh, carrier for president if you want to. It's a free market for ideas and a free exchange of ideas, and you should be able to to debate and say what you, you think. You can't, you, you, you can't go on Twitter or Facebook and advocate for killing people. You can't. There's certain things that are out of bounds, but just disagreeing is not out of bounds, and that's where you run into trouble with respect to suppressing free speech. You, you, the entire country is founded on the idea that it is not only okay to disagree, it is actually civically necessary. We need the, the need to be able to argue through ideas. Hey, Kevin, appreciate the call. 888-788-9910. We have Mark Burnovich coming up after the break. Hope you'll stick around here on Fox Across America. A show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs. We're on a mission from God. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon and taking your calls at 888-788-9910. But right now on the line with us, we have former Attorney General from the great state of Arizona, Mark Burnovich. Mark, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me on, Paul. So listen, you've been an AG. We had we had two AGs, the, the now current Senator Schmidt in um, in um, Missouri, and the yeah. the AG from Louisiana filed um, Missouri v. Biden. You you've as an Attorney General filed suit against an administration. How's this going to go? Well, I I enjoy the fact that I think I sued President Biden more than anyone else uh, during my time as AG, and unfortunately, Paul, it was because. You had a lawless administration, and we saw that, whether it was me having to sue him on just trying to get him to force enforce existing laws and came to the border patrol or controlling our border when i sued him over the unconstitutional covid vaccine you know and of course my you know colleagues um jeff landry in louisiana are continuing to work with this lawsuit the latest lawsuit related to what the biden administration was doing where they were essentially uh, working with social media companies with big tech companies and suppressing speech as it related to uh, the COVID-19 and what was going on with the vaccines and fighting it. 
So um, the 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 order says that they can't call, text, email, <clears throat> contact social media companies for the purpose of taking posts down or or, or or suppressing the free exercise of speech. It says you can't do all of that. That's what the that's what the order says. The the injunction says. The administration last night. The Department of Justice, on behalf of the administration, filed an interlocutory notice of appeal. They're going to file an interlocutory appeal in, in the hopes that they can get this to go away. That tells me that they think being able to work through the social media companies to silence their critics is important to them, correct? Well, you know, Paul, that we saw this a, a few months back when I was still AG. Well, remember they wanted to have like a Department of Misinformation or whatever it was yes. where they were going to, yes. when it came to issues related to the border and the cartels, they were going to basically have a minister of propaganda. Well, this is just more of an attempt, uh, and we see this in communist countries, but with the far left – um, by the radical neo-Marxists to suppress any speech which disagrees with their narrative. And let's all be honest with ourselves. What we saw during the COVID lockdowns, and it's one of the reasons why I oppose the lockdowns, it's one of the reasons why I wrote an opinion saying that it's a violation of the First Amendment to close churches, why I sued Joe Biden over unconstitutional vaccine mandates, because it was a massive power grab by the federal government in an attempt to get not only power to the federal government, but to make people dependent on the federal government um, for everything, for their safety, for their comfort, for their livelihood. And that's what we're seeing by the left. And this is all part of that. And so what the administration was doing, and if you read, you know, the discovery and you see what happens, there was a holistic and systematic attempt by numerous people in the administration to suppress any speech and stop any speech or comments or posts that disagreed with their narrative. And so clearly, the judge found that that was a violation of the First Amendment. And I tell folks all the time, in many ways, this is more dangerous and more insidious than what happens even in communist countries. Because I will tell you what, I'm a first-generation American. My family lived through communism. And people that have lived in communist countries, they generally know when the dictator or leader says this, that, or the other thing. They know it's crap. They know it's BS, right? It's the old joke that they, uh, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. So everyone kind of has a healthy distrust for government authority, but they're afraid to do anything. In this instance, where you have the heavy hand of government basically using the private sector and manipulating and forcing the private sector to do certain things, in many ways it's much more dangerous because a lot of people, if they're getting their media or they're getting their information on social media, they're seeing this and they don't realize that the government's manipulating them. And I kept trying to tell people, Paul, when all this was going on, I, I kept trying to remind people that, it, to me, it is the height of hypocrisy. And it's absolutely amazing that the Biden administration refuses to answer basic questions from the media about Hunter Biden or Ukraine, and yet they feel that they can be such a um, crusader to, to combat, quote-unquote, misinformation by suppressing free speech uh, on the Internet. Former Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich is with us here on Fox Across America. So, okay, Mark, is, is all of this telling us that the, the, the two big social media companies, which is Meta, Meta, Facebook, Instagram, and now this new thing called Threads, and Twitter, are too big for the good health of the republic? 
Look, before I left um, being attorney general, we had some open investigations into the tech companies uh, under various theories, including some antitrust theories. And I am actually very proud of the fact before I left being AG, uh, we had a record we had a lawsuit against Google um, using our consumer protection laws, and we reached a record settlement with them um, regarding the information they were collecting and how that was being used. And so, you know, here's the big thing I remind folks all the time is that, you know, companies like Google are making billions and tens of billions of dollars every year, and you – you, the user, are the commodity. They basically collect information about you, they buy, sell it, and they, they can manipulate you. They can manipulate you with news feeds and what you see, when you see it. And, and I tell people all the time, when it comes to big tech, um, they know more about where you're going, um, who you're with, and um, what your medical conditions are than your kids, spouse, and doctor combined. I mean, because, you know, your phone tracks you. I mean, it measures barometric pressure, altitude, all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, they, the tech companies have made it very, very hard to opt out, to not be manipulated. And just to put this in context, um, when, you know, we broke up Standard Oil, when, you know, the era of the trust busters and um, when, you know, the companies that were so big they were a threat to democracy, you know, had to be broken up. I mean, Standard Oil, the Rockefellers, they controlled less market share than Google does now when it comes to search engines. So Absolutely people can draw their true. own conclusions, but, you know, we're talking, um, you know, if, if we busted up the, the oil company, Standard Oil, because it was too big and a threat to democracy, well, look at what's happening with tech and information right now. Okay, so what's the administration going to do? First of all, and I've had callers on previously on this show and a, other on the a show I hosted earlier today on another outlet, um, they said, well, you know, it doesn't make a difference what the order says. The administration is going to find a way around it. Is that likely? You know, I, I would like to say that I'm a subjective optimist and an objective pessimist. And the reality is, is we saw this even in a lot of our immigration lawsuits. And we saw a little hint of this now, even with the uh, college, you know, um, bailout that where the Biden administration does not like an opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court or from a federal court, and then what they essentially do is attack the judiciary, undermine the judiciary and the credibility of that branch of government, and then they find a way to basically disregard it. And you were, if you recall, they've done this in numerous instances, um, and I think it's completely inappropriate, and I'm hoping at some point you know, remember, federal judges have lifetime appointments. So at some point, um, I'm hoping some federal judge somewhere starts holding Biden administration officials in contempt, um, because clearly we were on this path now where when it comes to the judicial system, you know, what, if you're Hunter Biden or you're the Biden administration, there's one set of rules for you and one set of rules for everybody else. And that, that, that truly is dangerous to a Republican form of government. And I think a lot of times judges are reluctant to like hold the executive branch accountable because they worry about the precedent and the separation of powers but at some point some judge somewhere is going to say you know whether it's on immigration you know whether it's on another one of these the housing program where they had those issues during the covid funds at some point some federal judge is going to say no you can't do that bring your toothbrush because i'm putting you in jail for contempt of court. You understand that, but if you file, a, if a judge issues a contempt order, it's up to the DOJ to prosecute it, is it not? 
Yeah, but sometimes there have been instances where you can sometimes um, they'll appoint like a special master or, uh, you know, the, the court itself can appoint someone to, you know, do that. So I think there's, there's ways or there, there could be ways around that. Um, but look, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, we are in many ways in unprecedented waters. And that's why I think is, is a principled rule of law conservative. I remind folks all the time, we have to always be right. Because look, here's the reality. Tech, tech companies, social media, the internet is controlled by the left. The universities, the higher education establishment, which I have sued multiple times, is controlled by the left and the far left. And, you know, quite frankly, mainstream media, most radio and television today, is controlled by the left as well. And so they're, they're, when you are a principled rule of law conservative, um, you know, the left will do everything to attack you because they want to undermine your credibility. And then sometimes there's even misinformation from our side. And so I'm always urging people to say, okay, take a step back. Uh, as Ronald Reagan used to tell us, you know, no one agrees with you all every time. If someone agrees with you seven out of ten times, eight out of ten times, they're your friend, not your enemy. And I think as conservative, as principled conservatives, we need to remember that and we need to be a little bit more unified. Right now there's a lot of disunity, there's a lot of finger pointing, and there's a lot of purity tests. And I think as a result of that, we're seeing the left roll up victory after victory and they're able to, you know, now they're, they're trying to undermine the judiciary. Former Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich has been our guest. Mark, we've got to wrap it up because we're up, up against the top of the hour and a really hard break. But I tell you what, you know, I, I'm, I'm frightened by anybody who's not willing to debate. I, COVID policy, the border, inflation, all these things need to be argued about and we need to be free to have those arguments and that is at the official level and among citizens and if you don't do that you lose the republic mark thanks for being part of the program thank you paul thanks hey hour two of fox across america is coming up after the top of the hour hope you'll stick around Oh, oh, yes, it is. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Hour 2 of Fox Across America on this Thursday. It's you and me today and tomorrow. Jimmy gets back to work on Monday after he took time off following his, uh, his efforts on behalf of the Fox News Channel in the 4th of July celebration this week. Jimmy will be back in the chair on Monday. Meanwhile, it's you and me and your calls at 888-788-9910. We spent the first hour... We spent the first hour talking about the fact that a, that a federal district court in uh, Louisiana, in a case styled Missouri v. Biden, it's the states of Missouri and uh, Louisiana who are parties to the suit, sued the Biden administration over the fact that the Biden administration has been using um, its uh, been making regular contact with the social media companies to suppress anybody who disagrees with the administration. Been stifling free speech. They can't do it directly. Under the First Amendment, the free speech clause of the First Amendment of the Constitution, they can't do it directly, so they've been doing it indirectly. And it really got started in earnest during the, uh, during the COVID pandemic, and it continued through the election when it became clear that they had a problem with Hunter Biden and his abandoned laptop, and they, the government has colluded, actively worked with the big tech companies to keep you from saying what you think about what's going on in the world, including debating what to do about COVID and including sharing information that might be detrimental uh, to the uh, 
campaign of Joe Biden. The government's been doing that. That springs from an elitist point of view. This is this comes from the from a deeply held idea by particularly those in the left, but to a certainly to a certain degree even rhinos on the right. It comes from an establishment elitist idea that says that you what you think can't matter because you are not part of the inner circle. You are not properly credentialed. You didn't go to Harvard or Yale or Princeton. You are not elite. You are out there um, with your opinions that don't really matter because you're just not smart enough. It is purely an elitist point of view. That's why they don't want to hear from you. They don't want you to have a voice because it gets in their way. And what is overlooked in this is the very people they're trying to suppress are the very backbone of the country. One of the greatest things that emerged from July 4th, 1776, which we celebrated two days ago, that established this country on the North American continent pretty quickly in the, in the scheme of history, there emerged something on the earth that had never existed before. It was called the. Um, it is called the uh, the middle class, because all over the world prior to that, and all over the world to this very day, in a lot of places, what you have is a very, very, very tiny cohort of people who are very, very, very rich, and you have a massive number of people who are very, very poor, and very few people in de- in between. In the United States, we created the middle class. It's an American invention. And the members of the middle class, if you're in the middle class, you're not you're living your life not just trying to survive. You're living your life on purpose. You're living your life able to enjoy life and, and, and to know that on nominally you have plenty to eat and a good roof over your head and you're properly clothed and your kids are getting educated and you can you can and you can do things besides work. You have the money and the resources to go on vacations and to play golf and uh, own a boat and um, to do the things that, that you do during leisure time when you have enough success to where your basic needs are met. You have you have excess of what you need in order to get by. The middle class is absolutely miraculous, and it was invented in this country, and it's absolutely f- fabulous. And every politician says that they're all about the middle class. The fact is the middle class has been taking it on the chin in this country for about 35 years, and jo- and Joe Biden recognizes that the middle class is important. He said he's obsessed with the middle class. He will tell you it's the the spine of the U.S. economy, as he regularly puts it. He he says he's all about the middle class. The problem the problem is middle class is not doing so well under the Biden administration. The middle class is is suffering. We had. We in the middle class, and I'm one of them. I'm not mega wealthy. I'm I've done okay for myself, but I'm a middle class guy, and I'm from a from a father who worked his way into the middle class, and my, I'm from a grandfather who worked his way in the into the middle class. The middle class has, for a long time, for about thirty years, real income did not keep up with inflation. The middle class has been losing wealth and influence for about thirty years. We had a respite from that. Statistically, the keeping the Bureau of Labor Statistics figures showed that the middle class was doing better during the Trump administration, began actually gaining ground again. But that has been wiped out. 
in the in the period of time since Joe Biden took office. And the middle class is feeling anxious. The 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 middle class is not doing as well. It doesn't feel as as good as it did for a while. The average middle class household has lost thirty thousand dollars in wealth in the two and a half years that Joe Biden has been president. So what about you? I mean, I'm, chances are you're you're a member of the middle class. It's about a hundred million people strong in this country. How's how's it going with you? Eight 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 seven eight eight ninety nine ten. Are you doing better or worse? What do you expect? What do you expect in the in the in the coming year and a half before this administration ends? As I said, average real wealth for middle class households, according to Bloomberg has dropped by $33,000 in the past year. Just 46% of middle-class Republicans responding to a Harris poll said their personal financial situation was better than it was five years ago when Donald Trump was in the White House. Uh, Only 35% say that they expect things to get better in the next year. Only 43% of even Democrats expect things to get better in the next year. So how are you doing? 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. This is a, the middle class is, is, is key, and I think Donald Trump has a middle class problem. And certainly Donald Trump, certainly he connected with the middle class and the working class. Certainly he did. It's amazing that a billionaire could be so relatable to the, to the common working man. It's, it's, so, uh, it's amazing that the guy who counts his wealth in billions of dollars understands the guy who counts his wealth in thousands of dollars. Joe, uh, Donald Trump had an amazing capacity to connect with that particular voter during the 2016 campaign. Does he still have that? Is that relatability still there? And is, is he the guy? The, the, these are the things that are going to shape the 2024 20, uh, election. The middle class is going to decide who is going to be president. Right now, if I'm Joe Biden, I'm nervous. And you know, all the things going on on the the chaos on the Republican side notwithstanding, if I'm Joe Biden, if I'm the Democrats, they do have a middle class problem because the middle class is not feeling good about itself at the moment. And the middle class is the backbone of the economy. It is the middle class. It's people in the middle, in the middle and upper middle that establish new businesses. It is those, it is people in the middle and upper middle who buy the things that, that you buy when your basic needs are met. They're the ones that are going and putting in, you know, swapping out the appliances in the kitchen and buying new TVs and going on vacations and buying new cars. You got to have you got to have that great big cohort of Americans in order for the economy to work. And Joe Biden's got a problem with them. And it's a it's a real problem and it's going to if it continues at this pace with interest rates going up and things costing more, the problem's only going to get worse. So the question is, if you're a member, if you are a, if you're a, a, just in that big, great, big, glorious middle that drives the American economy, if you're living in a nice house in a nice neighborhood, driving a nice car, how are you doing? Are you feeling good about the, about the future? Do you want to vote this administration in? They think you should. They're calling it Biden, Bidenomics. And they're saying that things are going so well that you should give them another four years. You feeling that? Because I'm not feeling that, and I, and I know this. I know that as as the cost of money goes up, as interest rates go up, the ability for people in the middle class to afford homes goes down. The ability the ability for people to afford new cars goes down. The 
this massive uptick in inflation and in interest rates is having a profound impact on members of the middle class. And, of course, it always whacks the poor. It always, the, the poor suffer no matter what. So how are you feeling about, about all of that? And, you know, what, what, what is your expectation for the future? I'm, I'm always excited when the middle class is doing well. Uh, the, the best friend that the country can have is economic gro- growth above 4%. When you get economic growth in the fours instead of the twos where we have it now, when you get robust economic growth, which is what we had when Trump was president, when you get robust economic growth, everybody gets happy. Everybody gets happier. Everything works better. And you get investment, and you get optimism, and you get you get robust car sales and ro- robust new home sales. And you get people going to the furniture store, swapping out the tired old furniture in the family room for brand new furniture. And you get people buying boats, and you get people, you know, taking up golf and and doing the things that make life fun to live. That's what you get when you have a robust economy, and that's what you get when you have a robust middle class. And we don't really have that kind of robust growth, and we have a middle class right now. According to data from uh, from Bloomberg, according to an article written in, in Bloomberg News today, this week, the middle class is not feeling it, and it, it's going to be a... It's going to be the middle class that decides who the next president is. So I really want to know from you, how do you how's how's things for you? What is your life like today? And compare and contrast it to what it was uh, five years ago when Donald Trump was newly elected as president. 888-788-9910, 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela here on Fox Across America. The show that's crashing the establishment party. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Wages up 8.7% since uh, 2019. Cost of gasoline to put in your car up 34%. Property taxes up 19%. Housing up 13%. Food up by about 12%. So getting squeezed. The middle class is getting squeezed. What are your thoughts? Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Vela here on Fox Across America, 888-788-9910. Gary in Lake Stryker, Texas. You're up. What's on your mind? Uh, I wanted to talk about, thanks for taking the call. I wanted to yes, talk sir. about what you were talking about, where I uh, recently had to renew my contract for my electricity. And That uh, was fun. Bet that all, was fun. Bet that was, we just did the same thing. We're doing it, did it yesterday for our, for my company in, in Tyler, my radio stations. We buy a lot of electricity. Yeah. We I operate four your, transmitters. I listen to your station all the time, and I love it. And uh, while they won't do a two-year contract anymore, because the last contract was two years, and I, heck, I had a heck of a deal. I was at 5.4 cents per kilowatt hour. Yeah, not now. So this, this, yeah, this contract was 13.2 kilowatt That's hour. That's correct. I mean, it went up double, and uh, or triple almost. Almost triple, yeah. And so I'm a transplant from central New York, and I'm a retired cop. And so I'm semi-retired. I work part-time, but... Uh, and I lived very comfortably, 
But the fact remains is, I, I guess I can't get my mind around how how does someone who voted for Joe Biden or look at it objectively even begin to think that they should vote for this nonsense anymore? I, Be- I can't because get my Gary, mind they around. don't because they don't connect the dots. They don't connect well, that when that when you exactly. when you kneecap the energy industry, you you curtail supply when you curtail sur- supply of of the input for electricity, the price of electricity is going to go up. Well, I also think that the Democrats have done a phenomenal job of tapping into that era of kids that just live by their phone. <clears throat> Everything in life is an app, and I think they've been able to tap into that better than the GOP. And in all honesty, when you have a GOP leader like we currently have running the the Republican Party, she she lost in 2020, lost in 2022. And I don't know why she was rehired. You're talking about about Ronna McDaniel running the the Republican National Committee? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's not going to be the, and I mean, I hate to say it, but they're going to have to get into this mail-in balloting and ballot harvesting because it's that's how the democrats are pulling off these wins well you're 100 percent correct and, and, and i don't Repub- know how republicans do it, and i'm not i'm not a fan but I, well in the in the words of the late great rush limbaugh the democrats know how to wield power and the republicans seem to not be able to do it yeah that's true and then the republicans have resisted and you know i will confess i have resisted i like the idea of election day make it a federal holiday Everything closes. We all go on the same day and vote. We count the votes that night. We figure out who won. I think that's the way it ought to be. But that's, you know, how it ought to be and how it is are two different things. The reality is it's not that way. It's not going to be that way ever again. We're going to have early voting. We're going to have mail-in balloting. We're going to have all of these things. And the Democrats play all that like a strad. And the Republicans keep hoping for the good old days. And the Republicans had better get on board and understand if you're going to, if, if this is how the game is going to pl- be played, you better suit up and play it. Otherwise, you're going to continue to lose. Hey, listen, good stuff, Gary. Appreciate the call. We have time for one more. Aurora, Sarasota, Florida. What's on your mind? Oh, um, Paul, I I can't even begin to tell you how my I've suffered since 2020, March 17th. I hate that. It's. It's been unbelievable. I never thought in a million years our country would ever shut down. And not only our country, but the world. Uh, What a kind of pandemic have we been put through? What is this all about? Our beaches here in Florida are now completely crowded with illegals. Our lifestyle, you can't get a hotel or a motel room because they're all given vouchers and they all stand them for free across America. Okay, I've traveled, I know. I put up with the suffering. We lost our business because we couldn't get any more funding. Everybody was afraid to fund anything that didn't have to do with homelessness. Hey, what kind of what kind of business, Aurora? Uh, technology. Okay. Technology development, which is very important to the world. 
And I'm telling you, they're they're going the wrong route. We wanted to come out with technology at Intellect, um, I-N-T-A-L-E-K, where we could give people the possibility of having their own power units in their homes. All right. And, of course, everybody wants to keep us tethered. Hey, listen, Aurora, I, I hate to be rude, but I've got to I've got to cut you off there. Listen, I wish you the best of success. You're in Florida. You're in a you're in a better place than a lot of people are in the country in terms of having opportunity in a in a free and open economy. And I wish you the very best. Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Dr. Michael Burgess is coming up after the bottom of the hour. Stay with us. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America this Thursday of July 4th week. Jimmy's has the week off. He'll be back on Monday. I'm with you the rest of the show today and again tomorrow. And I love hearing from you at 888-788-9910. Right now on the line, though, we have my friend Dr. Michael Burgess, a member of Congress from Texas's 26th district representing North Texas. Congressman, thanks for being on board today. Appreciate it. Hey, Paul. Good to hear from you. Good talking to you. And again, thank you for your time. Just a personal note. Thank you for your time in your office a couple of weeks ago when we were there trying to promote uh, the health of the AM radio band. A lot of people listening to this show right now are listening on AM radio. We appreciate that. Tune in your your car. Okay, good for you. You Listen, you sit on House Energy and Commerce. You sit on the House Rules Committee. You're on the House Budget Committee. And you spent nearly 30 years as as a practicing physician. So there's a whole lot of things we've been talking about that you can address here. In the previous segment, we're talking about the status of the middle class. I'm... And and which will affect, you know, who, who wins the presidency. I think running the country is easy. Keep energy prices low. Keep federal spending to the to the necessary minimum so you don't spark inflation. Keep taxes low and keep regulations low. You'll have a booming economy. You'll have a vibrant middle class. Am I crazy? No. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the formula. Um, spending, of course, is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a continuing problem, and it will be, boy, it'll be big time on display as we go through the appropriations process. Um we're going to see on the House side trying to hold it back. Who thought we didn't spend enough money in 2022? <laughs> but we're trying to roll it back to 2022 levels. Uh, of course, Democrats are having a fit, and the Senate said they're not going to do that. So we'll see. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting fight that's coming up. Well, I was trying to explain this to my daughter. She recently graduated from college. You know, she's she's out moving out on her own. She's just totally distressed by what things cost. And I'm trying to explain to her when you have been through a pandemic and you've shut down the economy and you've curtailed yes. the supply chain and, and, and you have a lot of pent-up demand and you and you have a shortage of a whole lot of things, you suddenly dump $1.9 trillion worth of liquidity into that uh, uh, economy, you're going to get inflation. Yes, and uh, I, I don't think the final figure was actually as low as $1.9 trillion. I think it was many multiples of that, which only, only proves the point and, and made it worse. So the president now says, uh, hey, it's it's coming down. Well, you never should have gone up that high. Don't look at this as a victory. <laughs> Just well, and, and still unacceptably high if the Fed, if the yeah. Fed target rate is 2%. It's still you know, a multiple of that, even though it's come down. 
Yeah, and you know, I'll just share with you something I do not understand. Uh, Janet Yellen and, and Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, and Janet Yellen is the Secretary of Treasury, both of them in March, February, March of, of 2021, said inflation will not be a problem. And the, of course, the American Rescue Plan came forward with $1.9 trillion, quickly followed by an infrastructure bill that was way called, more than it needed to be. It called, yeah, called the it, interestingly, the, inf- the Inflation and, Reduction Act. <laughs> and then the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. So altogether, closer to $6 trillion in, in the space of the first two years of the Biden administration. And I've asked the question in other venues, is, is he at war with the middle class? Because if you were at war with the middle class, that's what you would have done. And then to cap it all off, you take your gas stove away from you. <laughs> the, uh, meanwhile, did you see? Did you see um, um, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, grilling hamburgers and hot dogs out on her gas grill over the July Fourth break? Did you see that? No, I missed, I missed that. Okay, yeah, I wasn't was, invited. Yeah, well, I, I was, and I would have, uh, I would have uh, said that I have had uh, a prior engagement if I had been invited. But yeah, she's out on her gas grill grilling hot, hot dogs and hamburgers, you know, using using a gas appliance, which we're not supposed to use, and eating beef, which we're not supposed to do because cow flatulence is ruining the planet. So it's, go. it's interesting how all of this works. Listen, we, we started the hour off with the big story that broke uh, really yesterday, but it is a result of a, of a federal court ruling uh, late in the day on the 4th of July that that clips the Biden administration's wings with respect to colluding with um, social media to uh, suppress, you know, free speech or First Amendment rights, and and I'm I'm, I'm asking you this as a as a physician now because really that got started in earnest during the pandemic when when there were some dissenting voices from the from the administration from the from the government's. Um, prescriptions for dealing with the pandemic, the lockdowns, the mask mandates, all of that, some dissenting voices arose and they were quickly shut down by social media. Do you not agree that it was worth debating shutting down the economy? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and look, a fair amount of grace with a, a once in a century pandemic but come back and revisit it, and yes, open up the channels for for information to flow. Don't don't shut them off. The, the biggest quarrel I had with the uh, director of the CDC was show some humility when you come forward with these pronouncements, and then you have to walk it back a month or two later. Um, <laughs> don't just double down on things and and tell people you were always right. You weren't always right. And people will give you some 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 leeway in a in a crisis situation, but be honest with people. And part of honesty is being open and transparent. I started from the very early days trying to get classified briefings on the origins of this darn thing because it did look pretty suspicious that there was the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as now uh, John Stewart has so eloquently proposed p- proposed the. The origin, uh, it it originated in a city where they were working on these viruses on purpose, an accident, but it sure looked like that. And 
you know, now two and a half years later, three years later, uh, come to find out that that is that is in fact what what was going on. Well, and if you stated what appeared to be the obvious, shouldn't you have been allowed to state that? And then have, if, if if anybody disagrees, including the sitting administration, they're free to argue. Why why sure. silence why why silence the questioner on that? Why not engage? I, I I can't answer that for you, especially when you have a situation where it was a novel virus. No one had ever seen this uh, <clears throat> this behavior before. All of the public health measures that had worked with SARS-1 and and MERS didn't work this time because the incubation period was so long, during which time a person could be infective before they were symptomatic. And that two-week exposure is what made this very, very difficult to control from a public health standpoint. Well, our public health people, instead of acknowledging that, and saying we're going to have a tough time with normal public health measures like quarantine and contact tracing, it may not be enough. And appropriately, the administration then, with Operation Warp Speed, really put a lot of effort into let's come up with viral countermeasures, uh, let's come up with vaccines. The countermeasures, as, as in retrospect, the countermeasures. Uh, were probably just as important as as anything else, but the cupboard was bare when when the virus first came upon the scene. There was no antiviral, there was no monoclonal antibody. Uh, all of that had to be developed in real time. And to people's credit, they they did a great job with that. Um, but I'll I'll never forget. And it was Anthony Fauci who took a lot of credit for controlling the first SARS outbreak in, in 2023 by using just standard public health measures. But those wouldn't work when you've got a two-week interval between exposure and symptoms, all of that time being infective. That's what was so difficult. Well, again, and so that I, I, I just learned something. But the, the problem that I have is if you, if you, if you said anything, Scott Atlas, the Doctor from Stanford, Jay Bhattacharya. Sure. If anybody, including me, in my own postings, if I if I questioned the wisdom of what was happening, I didn't get a, a, a learned response. I was just simply silenced. Correct. Correct. And the masks, of course, uh, just to give you an example of how inconsistent things were in the Capitol building itself. On the House side, we had to wear masks. We were fined if we didn't coming on the House floor. But on the Senate side, they did not. Now, arguably, the Senate is an older population. And if if anything we did learn about this virus, it's a little harder on older people. But there must have been something magical about the Capitol Rotunda that destroyed a virus (laughs) that (laughs) let it penetrate the Senate chambers. I guess. We were all running around with masks on under the orders of Nancy Pelosi, and the, they said it was CDC guidance, but then the CDC said they didn't give that guidance. What a mess! Uh, it and it made it it, diff, it made it difficult to work in that uh, in that environment. It's difficult to debate when you have a, a mask on. Well, let's shift gears. Let's, uh, Dr. Michael Burgess, he's a congressman from the 26th District of Texas, is our guest here on Fox Across America. Let's shift gears, put your, your energy uh, and uh, commerce head back on. Let's talk about energy. Sure. You know, the, 
The Texas grid has you know, been in the news a lot, but electricity generation in general is in the news. We have, a, we have an administration that is avowedly saying they want to eliminate the use of fossil fuels, yet here in Texas, more than 40% of our energy generation comes from fossil fuels, and we're one of the best in the country at wind and solar, so it's worse yeah. in other states. How are we going to square this circle from what the administration says versus what is really going to happen? Well, the you know the real tragedy is in all of the all of the discussion. It's only recently that nuclear has come back and been and been part of the part of the discussion. We do have the two large legacy, what I call legacy nuclear plants, the Comanche Peak and the South Texas Project. Uh, the, you don't hear much about these. Um, they're just quietly producing electrons. Uh, it took them forever to be built and come online. The one at Comanche Peak, I know, could be expanded. That was part of the Energy Policy Act of 2003 that was was passed my my first year in the Congress. Um, so there there is a potential for expanding again the so-called legacy nuclear just building the footprint where they already exist. You don't have to have a new nuclear power plant in someone else's backyard. Sure, I'm a, I'm a proponent of the small modular reactors. I do think those show a lot of promise, but let's not turn our back on what we know works. And the large legacy nuclear plants are, are working. And the fact that around the country they are being being, people are seeking to decommission them, uh, that's a mistake. And, and it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be happening if anything we should be increasing the capacity of the of the existing nuclear power plants do we ever so, get look, to the do we ever get to the point that the uh, Biden administration so uh, assiduously uh, says we should of <clears throat> pardon me of not using <clears throat> oil and um, natural gas and coal for power generation look the, the the Biden administration has made an enormous bet on offshore wind and I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on that conceptually. It seems like a massively expensive project. It has not been tested on the scale uh, that they are they are trying to develop. I, I pray they're right with the the type of investment that the American taxpayer has been been asked to make. But it is uh, this is an untried technology. When we have technologies that do work and our nuclear our natural gas fired power plants or even our coal-fired power plants are some of the cleanest in the world and why we would mothball those facilities with the hope that uh, we're going to be able to create and then distribute offshore wind energy all over the country the the build out of the electric grid is going to be it, it, it's going to be unlike the scale anyone's ever seen before in order to get this energy from the coastal areas into the interior of the country. Meanwhile, uh, we're all supposed to go about and buy an electric uh, vehicle and put that on the grid at the same time. <laughs> yeah, unless they tell you not to. <laughs> unless they tell you in California, get an electric vehicle. That's the only kind we're going to let you buy, but don't plug it in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's some of this stuff you just can't make up. Yeah. Uh, Look, between you and me, I don't think Biden should be the, the nominee of his party for another term. But then you see waiting in the wings is Gavin Newsom, and he's come up with some of these ideas that really just defy gravity. 
So <laughs> maybe maybe Biden is the best of that lot. But oh my gosh, I, I hope there's a there's a commentary lot. there's a commentary for you, isn't it? Biden's the best of the lot. <laughs> well, look, I, I you, you started off this conversation about the middle class. I I truly pray that the middle class can. Um, get through the next 18 months of this administration. All of these cabinet secretaries, you know, people say, hey, shouldn't we impeach uh, Mayorkas? Shouldn't we impeach this person or that person? There's not a one of them that is worth uh, that is worth leaving in the job. This is the most incompetent administration that, that I have ever seen. I can't get a phone call answered from a federal agency. Uh, cabinet secretaries are just completely... They, they do not understand where the funding for their departments comes from because so much of it has been done by omnibus and, and continuing resolutions and big omnibus bills. So there's not that close association with, hey, the legislative branch appropriates you the money to run your agency, which yep. is the way the Constitution designed it. But that that's they're completely removed from that. And they think the money just appears magically and that they do not have to answer questions from Congress. I've never seen anything like this. Michael Burgess, congressman from the 26th District of Texas, thanks for your time today. Have a good rest of your week, and we really appreciate it. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. It's Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser for Jimmy Fela. More of the show's coming up. Stick around. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Fox Across America. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here and taking your calls, 888-788-9910. If you're on hold, we're going to get to you because we I love taking calls from across the country when I fill in on, fill in on this show. It just it It's just a lot of fun. I have a very simple prescription as I was talking to Dr. Michael Burgess, for, congressman from Texas in the previous segment. Real simple prescription for running the country. And it re- really, it's just not that hard. It's low energy prices. Keep energy prices low with an all-of-the-above energy strategy. Where wind makes sense, use wind. Where solar makes sense, use solar. Where nuclear makes sense, use nuclear. Drill, use oil, natural gas, coal, use it all. Keep energy prices low. Keep federal spending low to minimize inflation. Keep taxes low and keep regulation on the business, on the on, on the on the business community, particularly small business, keep the regulation burden light. You do all of those things. If you're the president who does all those things, you win, will win re-election, and the country will do great. It's just not that complicated. Hey, it's Paul Glazer sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. The third hour is coming up. You need to stick around. It's going to be fun. Don't go away. Oh, yes, it is Fox Across America. Thanks for being here. Hour three of our extravaganza here on a Thursday. Wanting to hear from you, 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela, and I'm inviting you to follow me on my weekly column I write every week. It's called You Tell Me Texas. It's at youtellmetexas.com. It's because I'm doing it from Texas. I own radio stations in Texas. I'm a proud Fox Across America affiliate in Texas, KTBB, Tyler Longview. I want to hear from you. 
And I want to, I say what's on my mind, you say what's on yours, and you can comment from anywhere. It don't have to be in Texas, but it's called youtellmetexas.com. Meanwhile, I want to hear from you live on the air right now in real time at 888-788-9910. Toward that end, we have Les in Corning, New York. Les, what's on your mind? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a single white guy, <laughs> um, straight. Lord help you. And <laughs> entitled to nothing. Uh, right. Except for free speech and uh, to live the way I want to live. I'm in upstate New York, sole proprietor. Five years ago, I had three dump trucks, employed two drivers. They made thirty grand each a year. I grossed around one sixty to two hundred thousand a year. Today, okay. today I'm one truck myself, sole proprietor. I'm on target for sixty thousand a year. And what does your truck drive around? What do, What do you do? I work construction. Um, right now, I'm on a school site. Um, they're spending a ton of money on schools uh, in our area, um, which which is good for us, good for me. Um, but before, you know, I had trucks going to many different jobs, uh, construction jobs, road construction, and like that. Okay, but and when, here what, in New, I'm here sorry in to interrupt New York, you. We're re- Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. What led to your to this precipitous decline? My taxes doubled. I used to I, I could write a check and pay my income tax. Now I make payments. My taxes didn't go my taxes went up. And my yeah, income but why'd you went why'd you lose down. the two other trucks and why'd your gross go down by a hundred thousand dollars? Couldn't afford them. Now there now there wasn't wasn't uh wasn't okay. any work. Um and, and so cutbacks and, you know, I can get a loan, but if I want to pay 6, 6%, 7% on the loan, um, and, and we're regulated. Here in New York State, I have to prove I own the truck. I've had the same truck for 15 years. I have to prove that my taxes for that truck are paid. I have to prove my residency. I've lived at the same residence for 20 years. And or they will not issue me plates or registration for my truck. I get I pay road tax. I pay heavy vehicle use tax, which is about five hundred a year. I pay a highway use tax. Can't double tax, so you you just change the alphabet. It goes to the same fund, and that's per mile. I pay a three hundred sixty dollar fee for a permit to haul a weight which the truck is built to haul. But in New York, if you don't have that, you can't you can't haul a big load or, or a normal size load. Um, but I have to prove that I have all this with a copy of my driver's license or I cannot get license plates for this vehicle, for this truck or any truck, class uh, class eight truck in New well, York I'm, State. Listen, I'm sure trucks are taxed in other states, and I'm sure you know you, mm-hmm. you've got to. Oh, we, all, we all we all have to pay road taxes, highway taxes. We all have to pay that. I do know about New York. It is a tax happy state, and we here in Texas. We, I living here in Texas are just amazed at what people willingly pay in taxes in New York because. Here in Texas, there'll be every now and then when money gets tight, you have a recession, money gets tight for the Texas legislature. Some guy will float the idea of an income tax, and that person is never seen again. He just vanishes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, I mean, we have to have them. You know, we have to have a tax. And, 
and I just think in New York we're paying more than our fair share. <laughs> well, so um, uh, again, I'm going to try to drill back down to what you were talking about, though. What happened in the in the three years where you went from a hundred and sixty thousand dollars to sixty thousand dollars in gross income? What what changed? Well, they they changed the regulations. They started regulating more, you know, more taxes. Um, I'm my truck is a 1988. I get stopped in a DOT check and get com- complimented on how well my truck is for a 1988. Okay. Okay. They're they're on score of regulating me out of business. People with these old trucks, like California, this truck is illegal in California. Everybody has got a truck like this in California. They're for sale. Well, see, you're, you're, you're illustrating the things that I said before the top of the hour. You want to have a booming economy. You want four things. You want to have a successful nation. You want four things. Keep energy prices low by making sure that you have adequate supplies. Get it from every source that you can. Keep federal spending and government spending at the, at the minimum, because if you keep government spending at a minimum, you don't trigger off inflation. Keep taxes low and keep regulation low. And right. when you do those things, everybody gets a fighting chance to succeed. Sure, sure, exactly, exactly. And and here in New York, they're everything they can do to fight that. It seems to be happen happening. I mean, I'm in I'm in Corning, New York, was Corning Incorporated, Corning Glassworks, yeah, sure. Corning uh, Fiber Optics, Ingersoll Rand, now Dresser Rand. Those places are just. You know, it's getting to be more and more office people, less and less factory people. Everybody thinks we're building, you know, they're, they're building the um, exhaust systems for the class, class 8 trucks. They got a plant here in Corning, great for the jobs, it's killing the truck industry. But 90% of it is made in China. They built that factory here. Look at this. We're, we've created U.S. jobs here in New York, but the big factories are in China. Why don't you get out of New York, Les? You got a lot for sale down there in Texas? No, we got a lot of land in Texas. There's there's plenty of elbow room in Texas. I keep saying everything I own, I could pack in the back of this truck and just start driving. But the problem is the states between would probably pull me over and I wouldn't have a proper sticker or something. I'll get an in-transit sticker and come to Texas. I tell you what, you'll find, you're, relatively speaking, and, it, and there's no place that's perfect, and we have our bureaucracy here too. But I tell you what, mm-hmm. you'll find a more business-friendly environment here than you have in New York. I pro- That I guarantee you. I... Uh... I talk about it all the time, and it it just yeah it, it gets to be more and and more closer to reality. It really does. Well, Everything I have is paid for. I have no loans. I have no you know my vehicles are paid for, and my house is paid for. And you would think I would be doing way better than I am. I was. Trump came in and it's like, you know, I went from paying twenty grand a year in income taxes to like seven. Just cutting regulation, just cutting, you know, that kind of stuff. So this is I a, this is the part that people bought another truck, and yeah, I bought another truck and put a guy to work. This is the p- p- part of the of the Trump presidency that gets overlooked. It got you know the the pandemic crowded it out, plus all of the Trump drama crowded it out, plus all of the everything that was done 
in the most horrible, nefarious way possible to try to take Trump out, crowded it out. But what, what happened when you cut through all of that clutter is the guy came in, he slashed regulations, he got a, a, a massive tax cut bill passed, and things took off. And and economic conditions started getting better. I remember when he, he got elected, he took, he took office uh, in January of 2017, and not a lot happened, and we kind of loped along, and business conditions were not great. And then all of a sudden, on October 1st, it was like somebody flipped a switch. October 1st of 2017, business started to take off, and my company had its best years. And a whole lot of my clients, they're, they're, they had their best years. This is the part of Trump we would love to have back if we could get it. This, this, his, his management of the economy and his... The things that he did that, that allowed the economy to take off and prosper so that you could have the prosperity you enjoyed, that's what we want from Donald Trump. And that was the stuff, that was the pure Trump magic. And all kinds of forces aligned against him to, to be able to, for him to be able to politically capitalize on that success, not the least of which was the Wuhan virus. But underneath all of it, we had enormous success with with Trump as president as president the the economy did extremely well well let's listen i wish you the best my man i hope um, I hope things get better for you yes i think it will well listen one of the great one of the things about sole proprietors and entrepreneurs if you're not an optimist you're not one of those you have to be optimistic to be in business for yourself take it from me i've been doing it since 1991 less i wish you all the best Take care. 888-788-9910. Yeah, this is the, this is the thing that, we, that, that is just totally lost on a whole lot of people. When you have an expanding economy, it is by far the best anti-poverty program you can come up with. An expanding economy creates opportunities for employment. It creates entry-level jobs. It creates mid-level jobs. It creates jobs at the top. It allows everybody to find their place and get in and start working their way up. An expanding economy is the healthiest thing you can do. It starts solving all kinds of other social problems. A robust, growing economy. It is the it is the secret sauce to a successful society. That was what Trump had going for him. It's what Reagan had going for him. You want to know how how much it it went for Reagan? Reagan took those those horrible malaise years of the Carter administration and turned them into the greatest economic expansion in our history. We had economic growth at seven and a half percent during the Reagan years. And guess what? In 1984, during that election, he took 49 states. That's how happy people were with the way the country was going during the Reagan years. And Reagan did the same thing. He cut taxes and he got regulators off of people's backs. And since the Reagan years, we've allowed taxes to go back up and we've certainly allowed regulations to get piled on top of one, on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. And we have made it harder for energy producers to keep us uh, keep us supplied with energy. We've made it harder to build a building. We've made it harder to open a business. We've made it harder to do everything. And this is what you get. You get this, this kind of stuck in second gear that we have right now. And w- w- all you got to do, if, if, if Joe Biden, I'll say this, if Joe Biden's going to, going to, he's going to have a tough time. I think it's just going to be a real tough election for everybody on the, on either ticket, but Joe Biden would 
waltzed to re-election if he had simply gotten elected and left out everything that Trump was doing in place. If he just left everything alone and said, okay, I'm going to go try these other new things, but the stuff that's already here, we're going to leave it alone. We're going to let the border stay the way it is. And he could have, he could have said, hey, you know, the, well, the border, the wall is up and all of that, but that was my predecessor. I didn't do that. He could have escaped political consequences with that, just saying just blame it on Trump. You blame everything else on Trump. He could have kept energy policy in place. He could have kept the Keystone XL pipeline going. He said, yo, that got started under my predecessor. He would have had political cover. Just leave everything in place, and he would be in a lot better shape. His approval ratings would be higher, and he'd be a lot harder for Democrat, for Republicans to think about knocking off in 2024. He's made himself vulnerable by not doing the things that makes an economy work, and that is keep energy prices low, keep federal spending down so you don't touch off inflation, keep taxes as low as you can, consistent with the needs of the government, and keep regulations as light as you can. You do all of those things, and the economy will take care of itself. It's an American miracle. We we here in the United States, starting going back you know, 247 years, we invented the idea of of self-determination and a self-guiding economy by millions of people making discrete decisions about what's in their best self-interest. That all adds together to prosperity. It's really not that hard to figure out, yet we have politicians tripping over themselves all the time. Listen, I'd love to hear from you on that. 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Fox Across America. I'm Paul Gleiser. I'm filling in for Jimmy today. Filling in for him again tomorrow. He will be back on Monday. we got Miranda Devine coming up after the bottom of the hour in the next segment. Miranda Devine is a fabulous columnist for the New York Post, and uh, she was directly affected by the the censorship of um, social media that went on uh, prior to the election. But meanwhile, we have James in Joplin, Missouri, with us right now on the line at 888-788-9910. So, James, what say you? How you Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I do. What's up? Oh, how you doing? Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, everything you were talking about um, with the middle class, it, I think that's really going to be the big change in the election this year because uh, everyone's feeling it. Uh, there's those of us that have struggled through uh, the last, you know, two or three years of, you know, spiraling down since the pandemic. Um, and I haven't seen yet anything that this administration has done to to help that. I mean, it, it just just continually gets worse. You know, even when you think it can't get any worse, it does. Um, I think we're the laughing stock of the world right now. Middle class households, according to Bloomberg, for uh, their analysis of Bureau of Labor Bureau of Labor Statistics consumer expenditure data, according to Bloomberg. Middle-class households spent an average of $8,000 more in 2022 than they did in 2019, far outpacing the uh, increase in wages that happened during that period. So middle class is getting squeezed, as happens whenever policy goes off the rails in Washington. Actually, you're 100% correct. Uh, I've been saying for years that the wages are not keeping up with the economy and near what we should be. Um, you know, in the 1950s and 60s, 
a man could get a regular job, you know, maybe middle class or just below, and uh, the wife could stay home, take care of the kids, and he could have nine of them. But uh, this, this is all poor. true. This is all true. If we're not poor. Now, uh, this next generation that's coming up, uh, if they have one or two kids and got bit of one goes to college, they're in the poorhouse right out of the gate. And and part of that is driven. Part of that is by is driven. To, to be completely fair, it's driven by expectations because you know I I'm, I was one of those kids that grew up during that time and we we didn't consider ourselves poor at all. But I got to tell you, we didn't have anywhere near the number of nice things that we have now. You know, I, it, it it's not exactly apples to apples. But your but your but your broad point is correct. We could live a comfortable life as I did growing up with my dad making a good middle-class income and my mom stayed home and made sure I got to school and I had clothes on my back and I had, you know, lunch to eat and, and, um, families up and down the street were pumping out babies and it was, it's different than it is now. We have smaller number of kids and, and, uh, it's harder to maintain a middle-class life lifestyle because of a whole lot of factors. The point being that the middle-class is the absolute backbone of of free market economy it's the backbone of of western democracies the middle class is what makes all of these things possible and if you squeeze the middle class too hard and make them go away the golden goose will stop laying the golden eggs hey listen i appreciate your your call there james and you uh be safe there in the middle of the country there in joplin we have Miranda Devine coming up. I always love talking to Miranda. She is really, really sharp, and she'll have a lot to say. That's in the next segment after the bottom of the hour. Hope you'll stick around here on Fox Across America. Fox Across America with Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon continues, and we are delighted to have on the line uh, none other than Miranda Devine from the New York Post who helped break the story of the Hunter Biden laptop back in October of 2020. Miranda, thanks for taking the time. Oh, great to be with you, Paul. Listen, I thought of you immediately when I heard the story of the um, of the the ruling that came out of the uh, federal district court in Louisiana, the injunction that was issued, telling the Biden administration they can no longer get on the phone and call up Facebook and say, hey, censor this story or take that story down or take that post down. Don't let them criticize us anymore. The New York Post, you personally and, and, and you as in your, your organization experienced that in October of 2020 when you broke the story and Twitter took down your account. Relive that for us. Yes, that's exactly right. Twitter and Facebook, within a few hours of our story going live on our website, uh, this story about Hunter Biden's laptop, um, both Twitter and Facebook censored us. And Twitter actually locked the New York Post account for the next more than two weeks. Uh, this was, you know, three weeks before the election. So it was a crucial time. And um, we subsequently learned um, through various methods that the FBI had uh, basically pre-bunked our story to, we know, to Twitter and probably to Facebook and the other platforms as well. They were having these weekly meetings before the election, and we know from Yol Roth, who said in a sworn um, statement in another court case, he said that um, during one of those meetings that um, they were told 
to expect a hack and leak operation involving Hunter Biden uh, likely sometime in October. And so that was our story about Hunter Biden in October. So, of course, the big tech companies, Facebook and Twitter, recognised immediately what they'd been being warned about. And that's why they were able to bring the shutters down and close us off so quickly. And uh, the judge in this lawsuit you just mentioned, brought by Louisiana and Missouri, um, Judge Terry Doughty, has written this absolutely brilliant memo, um, really standing up for free speech. And he singled out the FBI's role in the censorship of our story as particularly troubling. And he pointed out the FBI had had the laptop for more than a year by then, and they knew that what we were writing was true, um, but they still pre-bunked our story. Which is absolutely amazing to me. The FBI, we, I grew up watching the, the, the show on the ABC television network called The FBI, and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was this pillar of, of rectitude, and he got the bad guys, and the FBI had a, had a sterling reputation among a whole generation of Americans, and they and they waste it for political purposes like this. It is astonishing to me that the FBI would, in, in my opinion, I don't see how you can say they didn't violate the law by using, <clears throat> using material they know to be false to go out and, and, and get warrants to surveil a, a presidential campaign. How is that not illegal? I can't believe the FBI would engage in such law-breaking, and I have to ask the question, do they just hate Trump that much? Look, I do think this is the motivation because you, you see the same behavior um, during that period, during the Trump administration, across all these different um, law enforcement agencies, and plus, this CIA, uh, just a few days after our story uh, came out, um, the, we had that dirty 51 letter, I call it, from the 51 former intelligence officials, mostly from the CIA, including five former directors or acting directors of the CIA. They signed that letter, lying, dishonest letter, uh, trying to persuade the American people that the Hunter Biden laptop, that our stories and the material we'd published was Russian disinformation. And um, it was preposterous. And the uh, DNI, um, John Ratcliffe, came out immediately, um, as did less vociferously uh, Bill Barr and uh, Christopher Wray, the head of um, the FBI, and said, no, there is absolutely zero evidence that this has anything to do with Russia or is Russian disinformation. But it didn't matter because um, the purpose of that letter was to debunk our story and to give Joe Biden um, a get-out-of-jail-free card at the upcoming debate that he had with Donald Trump. And, of course, um, as soon as the topic came up, of course, um, Donald Trump brought it up. And Joe Biden immediately just cited the 51 former intelligence officials and uh, said that they all said that it was a Russian plant and it was just garbage. And so it got him off the hook. It worked. So that was just another example. And I think that all these people, you know, some of the people who signed that letter, you would think were patriots, have certainly served their country in the past in admirable ways. Um, you would imagine that people at the FBI... Uh, aren't all sort of evil people wanting to bring America down, that they too, at one point, at least some of them were patriots. And I think 
that so severe was Trump derangement syndrome that a lot of these people in Washington, D.C. had convinced themselves that Donald Trump was an existential threat. And, therefore and it had to be stopped at all costs. Exactly. And no matter, no matter, even if you have to break the law, you have to stop Donald Trump at all costs. Fair means or foul. That's right. doesn't matter because you are doing the right thing. And the American people are so stupid that, and so morally inferior that they don't know what they're doing if they want to vote for someone like Donald Trump. You know, another, the, the American people, we can't think about allowing them to exercise their no. constitutional right to select who the government. We can't exactly. trust that. We can't trust those rubes out there w- with that because, my God, look what they might do. Well, exactly, and that comes back to your your opening um, statements about this injunction um, on the free speech lawsuit. Um, This is, again, about government and agencies and sort of our superiors uh, saying that we can't be trusted with free speech because we are so stupid and so illogical and irrational that we will that we will do terrible things if we are allowed to know the truth. Take us in this Miranda Devine, a New York Post columnist, brilliant columnist who helped break the story of the Hunter Biden laptop. So take us inside the organization, inside the newsroom at the New York Post. When your platform, when you got deplatformed by Facebook and Twitter, what happened next? Well, I guess, I mean, in, in the run up to the story, we steeled ourselves uh, in the knowledge that this was a huge story that this was going to rock a lot of boats uh you you're um you know three weeks before an election uh a lot of people didn't want this story a lot of very powerful people didn't want this story to come out so you know i was prepared for um being ignored by the rest of the media for people to just say this is garbage that the new york post is just tabloid trash etc um but we were comfortable uh with you know the merits of the story so um, that was what was expected. What was not expected was um, this censorship from Facebook and Twitter because at that point they hadn't really showed to the public their power and the fact they were willing to use it. They'd sort of sheathed to their claws. So that was really a shock. And, um, you know, there was, I mean, this was above my pay grade, but there was certainly um, communications going on and negotiations where um Twitter was trying to get um, the New York Post to delete our tweets about this story in order to get our account restored. And to their great credit, uh, my editors um, and the hires up uh, refused to do that and so suffered the consequences, the financial consequences of not having an account of being basically banned off social media for two weeks. So Miranda Devine, you know, going forward here, you know, the, the 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 judge in Louisiana has issued this injunction that says until this case is adjudicated, you at the White House, you know, all you all you federal officials are all part of the administration. You can't call up Twitter, you can't call up Facebook, you can't move to censor content or get posts taken down. So you can't do that. Okay, fine. This, so the White House, you know, let's, let's just say they abide by that and they say, okay, we won't do it. What? Is anything going to change at Facebook? They, they, they know what they like and what they don't like, and that hasn't changed. What, what will substantively, substantively change um, even in the wake of the order? 
I think the order's already had an impact, even though the Biden administration uh, immediately um, put in an appeal, so it'll probably end up in the High Court. But um, already the State Department um, has cancelled its weekly meetings with uh, those social media companies, with big tech. Um, and so I think, you know, they, they won't be able to continue. It wasn't just that they would ring up um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, etc. They were bullying them. I mean, the emails that are contained in that memo, I would just urge any American who cares about their freedoms, First Amendment being the first for a reason, um, to read that memo. It's very well written. It's full of incredible examples of the abuses by this administration and the different agencies. Um, you know, really breaking the law. They're not allowed to censor American speech, but they were using these companies as their proxies and bullying them in the most egregious ways. Um, I, I mean, I had always felt badly towards Twitter and Facebook because they're, you know, they're peopled by a bunch of leftists who are naturally inclined to be authoritarian and to uh, cancel speech they don't like. But when you see what was going on, it really wasn't in their commercial interest to so blatantly be censoring accounts and censoring speech. But they were forced to because the administration, including Joe Biden, who had a coordinated statement to the press in which he said that these companies were killing people uh, because he was suffering a political hit over vaccine hesitancy. Um, and uh, those companies, those Facebook, Twitter, etc., they were being threatened with their very livelihood with this Section 230 being repealed, which gives them immunity um, and is very important to their business. And so... They sort of had no choice but to bow to this bullying. It was outright blackmail and bullying uh, so wrong. Well, okay, so let's move forward. Now we are here we are. It's 2023. By the way, the, the, the mainstream media, CBS, jumped on the story, and they finally got on board and 769 days later confirmed what <laughs> you guys already knew. So here's my question for you. You're there you're there in New York, you're in the New York media, you move in those circles. What are they going to do with the ever expanding story that flows from that laptop? The ever expanding web of political payoffs and bribery and and millions of dollars being transferred into LLCs and spread around and made made hard to trace and all of the all of what we have learned as a result of you guys breaking this story, what are, will they be forced ever to fully engage on this story? Look, there are some hopeful signs because I think that the evidence that's coming out, um, particularly um, through, you know, now that the Republicans have control of Congress, that really was a game changer. And so, for instance, the um, evidence, the testimony of the IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, very courageous man who brought the receipts. He had 11 exhibits that he presented with his testimony, uh, you know, FBI transcripts of interviews, um, uh, you know, the fact that the FBI had verified the laptop. Um, they'd authenticated as Hunter Biden's back in October of uh, 2019 before they'd even picked it up with a subpoena from the laptop repair shop. Um, but by February of 2020, they had um, 
completely verified the laptop. They um, said that it was now reliable. They were comfortable that it was reliable to be used as evidence. So that was that, really. And, of course, we weren't told about that. And the FBI was there in October 2020 pre-bunking our story, even though they knew that our story was correct and everything on the laptop was authentic. Um, but uh, I, I think that when it comes to the media, they have been slow on the uptake, but the evidence now is so overwhelming. And, and there's more coming. I mean, Hunter Biden's uh, best friend in business, Devin Archer, is slated to testify before the Oversight Committee in the next um, 10 days or so. Um, and also there are other whistleblowers that have come forward with you know, equally amazing evidence as Gary Shapley. So this is just going to continue. And at some point, um, I think the rest of the media is going to have to just, you know, lay down the protection racket and do their jobs. And there are signs of that already. But, you know, at the same time, they're running the narrative from the White House and from the White House allies. And they've done a whole lot of sob stories about poor Hunter, you know, and about how Joe Biden is worried that his son, you know, with all the pressure and, and all the investigations and the questions about corruption, that that's going to force Hunter to relapse and go back into addiction. Um, and and also stories about what a great father Joe Biden is mm -hmm. and how, uh, you know, he, he's inviting Hunter and, and his brother Jim Biden, um, who was involved in all this funny business, uh, Hunter's uncle Jim, um, to that state dinner for the Indian Prime Minister, uh, where Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, was also attending. Um, that, oh, he did that just because he's a great father, not caring about the optics of the Attorney General being there at this. Yeah, this how, how, weird, how weird is that? I mean, yeah, days that, after the, the yeah, sweetheart it's, deal. It's crazy. And, and meanwhile, the deal's not done because the judge hasn't signed off on it. Miranda, we could go all day, but unfortunately the end of the show is coming. I really always appreciate it when you take the time to join the show when I'm filling in because I find what you have to say fascinating, and I really, really thank you. Great to be with you. Thanks, Paul. Miranda Devine from the New York Post. There she goes. Here we go. More of the show coming up after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Hey, let's do it again tomorrow. It's a, we're wrapping up the show today, but I will be back tomorrow. Jimmy will be back in the chair on Monday. Hey, listen, we've been talking about free speech for most of the program today. You not only have the right to criticize the government, you have the actual duty to criticize the government. The First Amendment is first for a reason. If the government is not doing what you want done, it is your absolute duty to speak out. It is your absolute duty to hold the government to account. You have the right to speak, and you're going to get the government that you deserve. And so the idea that they can somehow decide what is acceptable speech and what is not acceptable speech is completely antithetical to the founding of this great nation. So if Facebook and Twitter are, are going to, or the new the new one that, that Zuckerberg is launching, not going to let you speak freely, then stop using their platforms altogether. They have to have those, they have to have yours and other people's eyeballs in order to succeed, deprive them of what they need. It is your 
country and your absolute right to speak out against the government and be critical of the government. That's what we fought for back in beginning in 1775 with the shot heard round the world at Lexington and Concord. This is your country and it is it is your right to speak out against and speak up to the government. Hey, it's Paul Glasser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. We'll do it again tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to it. Thanks to Mike and Josh in the control room in New York for making it all possible. And thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.